Sports is recorded in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. Starring Dave. Surprising little fun fact, King Griffey Jr. was the first number one overall draft pick to go into the Hall of Fame. Chris. ALCS MVP for the Houston Astros. Gary Sanchez. Brad. You're a professional. Act like you've gotten criticism before because obviously you have. And Joe. Yeah, Chris Davis is awful. And now, 4D Sports. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of 4D Sports. This time, we're going to kick it off with the interview right out of the gate. Uh, We have John Leonard, All Things Valley League, with us. Uh, We also have some interviews with a couple uh, Charlottesville Tom Sox, uh, the coach, and uh, Francisco because uh, the player is a Francisco. The coach is obviously Coach Hunt. They won the Valley Baseball League Championship. And, John, let's talk about that. I happened to watch both games with you. That first game, Strasburg started a home run derby there early on, got out to a big 7-2 lead, and then it just kind of evaporated. Uh, Errors really coming back to hurt the Express in that ballgame. Charlottesville, though, took advantage of the errors and then also had some timely hitting to win game one. Uh, let's talk about game one first there at Strasburg. Yeah, I, uh, I think we both we both thought that Strasburg had a stranglehold on that one. Uh, I think, Joe, you might have even looked at me at one point and said, uh, I think this one's over or something like that. <laughs> I did, um, yeah, so uh, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, if the Orioles no-hitter was my fault, then, then that must have been yours. That's fair. But, but, yeah, it seemed to all unravel there for the Express in just a couple innings uh, with some misplays in the field. Uh, maybe maybe more just because they were a little tentative in the field. Um, and Stra- and uh, Charlottesville just took advantage. And, and as you said, they um, had some timely hitting and, and came away with Team 1 uh, against against what I think were the probably the Express's best, uh, their best pitchers that they had left in that Game 1. I would agree. Game two, Charlottesville jumped out to an early lead and led wire to wire. That being said, Strasburg had their opportunities in that ball game. The first three innings, they had runners in scoring position and couldn't do anything with them. Um, so I'm sure that was frustrating for Strasburg fans that were there and watching on Facebook Live to see the team have a chance to either get the lead themselves or tie up the ball game early against Charlottesville. And the Tom Sox held on. It was a very low scoring game, game two, and uh, the Tom Sox just did enough to win. Yeah, it was sort of the inverse of Game One. Um, <laughs> not very, not very much hitting at all. I think it was Daniel Hardwood hit a big double to bring in two early on for the for the Tom Sox, and that was really it. Uh, although uh, the difference between those games really is is uh, not as striking as you would think otherwise, because the two parks do play completely differently. Um, the the home run park factor in particular. In Strasbourg is is huge, while in Charlottesville it's actually suppressed. So, uh, so similar similar outcomes, uh, different different stadiums. I don't know if it's really a stadium, but different parks, um, different nights. Yeah, uh, John, I want to talk to you about you know your impression overall on the season. Again, Charlottesville Tom Sox win again. It's their second championship in three years. Uh, they've they've had a really nice run for a very young team and organization. Another young organization in the Valley is Strasburg. They've been there quite a few years. Uh, just 
you know, we've talked about Waynesboro before and how great they were in the regular season, and it just didn't come together in the playoffs. But your impressions of the 2019 Valley Baseball League season now that it's over? Oh, wow. It's a big question. I, I think every summer there's there's an awful lot to, uh, to grab onto and celebrate. Um, I think early on this year, we were really, we were talking about the haves and the have-nots. It kind of mm-hmm. looked like there were three or four, well, there were two teams in each division that seemed to be pulling away. Uh, that evened out over time and uh, wasn't wasn't such a stark contrast by the end. Uh, but, you know, one of the biggest stories of the season is Woodstock's turnaround from the year before. And, you know, I know that none of the guys are the same. And, you know, going 5-37, and 37, <laughs> still, you know, having that huge change of, of a 20 run, a 20 win differential from one year to the next is striking. Um, and then with that, you know, Woodstock swept the awards. You had Aiden Nagel winning the MVP and Tristan Bayless uh, winning the pitcher of the year. Um, I don't know why we don't call it a Cy Young. What should, what should we call it in the Valley League instead of pitcher of the year? The Jimmy Key. I mean, he pitched in the Valley. He did the Jimmy Key Award, and that that has a good that has a nice ring to it. Yeah, and yeah, he's an Oriole. Think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was also a Yankee at one point. I do uh, believe. I don't. We I choose not that. to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know the the uh, the team that shall not be named. Yeah. But each each season, I think there's there's something that I always like. I kind of remember the season in my head as. You know, in 2018, it was the New Market team winning their like their last 13 games, you know, sweeping through the playoffs. And Andrew Eister, you know, the year before, you had Charlottesville with their 32 regular season wins, and Michael Wolanski was a Division Three player came in and just just was you know he hit over 400 and just was impossible to get out. I think this year I'm probably going to remember Nagel. And and Woodstock, even with Charlottesville winning their second title in three years, which is a huge accomplishment by itself, of course. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you're right. You and I have talked about this, and I've talked about it on this podcast before. And like you said, even admitting that when the rosters change as much as they do, you know, it makes those huge differentials and wins from year to year easier to do. But still, and then, you know, for Bocock in his first year to come in, and just really take over. Uh, it was really, really impressive to me to see that. Well, I, you know, they they obliterated the the uh, largest win differential in the last twenty years up to this point. Um, and let's let's not forget, of, of course, you know, uh, Porky Bowman, the owner of, of the Bandits, brought in brought in Mike Bocock and. Gerald Harmon, who was also the recruiting coordinator for the team. And Gerald and Mike have just a much bigger recruiting footprint, I think, than, than perhaps the, the previous regime. And uh, just seeing some of the schools that they were recruiting from, uh, I figured that Woodstock was going to be much better. Uh, it's funny, Gerald, before the season, was joking with me, and he said, he said, not only are we going to have the biggest win differential that you've ever seen, but we're not going to lose a game all year. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that obviously didn't happen, but they were they were very very good.
Dave, I want to go to you. Uh, you probably were at the second most games out of all of us. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw in the Valley this season? Yeah, just to uh, hop on some of what y'all said. I didn't get to see uh, much at all. The playoffs got busy there, but Woodstocks really stood out as uh, the games that I went to. We saw them play Strasburg and was really impressed with them there. Um, and at the end, just seeing Strasburg and Charles go back again is kind of what I remember. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago. Those guys seem to be doing it, you know, for the past couple of years, always being competitive. Um, but Woodstock really stood out to me as a team that I saw um, with Coach Bocock, like you said, uh, bringing it back from what they did last year. Brad, uh, I know your games weren't as often, and part of that was due to your, you know, move there in the middle of the summer, but you did make it to a few games. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw in the Valley? To me, what really stood out, especially early on in the summer, for me was how high pro, uh, how much high productivity there was on offense, which is kind of surprising, especially at the beginning of the summer, with it being a wood bat league. These college players coming from using metal and at their schools and coming in and just we saw people smoking the ball using the wood bats, hitting gaps, um, hitting home runs, scoring all kinds of RBIs, and really that that seemed impressive to me, and that's what I'm going to remember most out of this year. Um, also, really fun to watch the race there at the end with Woodstock and Strasburg. I know that Woodstock having the new coach we predicted kind of at the beginning of the season that that was really going to pay off for him. And I think that it did. And I hope to keep him around and we'll see if he can take him to a championship one of these years. And uh, a little bit also, I would like to still see a little bit less of the gray pants at home from some of these teams. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, white pants, man, white pants. Well, what about white pants on the road? Cause apparently Strasburg only has white pants. Well, it's not as bad. Um, to me, but you got to wear white at home. Wow. Okay. Well, way to bring it on home there and keep it on brand there at the end, Brad. Uh, John, I do want to talk to you about, uh, something you've been working on. You released a 2015 version of this already, but you're working on the 2019, uh, the annual you're calling it, uh, just kind of explain to folks what that is. I know you talked about you know, what you're trying to remember from the 2019 season, you can help people remember the 2019 season in great detail with the annual, can't you? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had some time this past year and I, and I was kicking around some ideas and put together everything that happened in 2015, uh, just to see if I could do it. And, uh, I think that overall it was a success. And so I'm looking to do the same thing here for 2019, uh, putting together, I mean, one of the ways I can explain this is to say, if a, a young man appeared in a game, his name will appear in the annual. So I have a list of the players. I have every outcome of every game. Uh, I have a few sentences on every game. I have a, a chapter on remarkable games, like combined no-hitters or you know 12-run comebacks in the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, I also have, I will have tons of information on pro players as well. So guys that have been drafted out of the Valley league, uh, I'll have a paragraph on every single player that appeared in minor league ball and major league ball this year. 
Um, it's my major project that I'm working on here for the next couple months. I'm hoping that it will be available. Um, I'm hoping by the end of November, I, I tend to have rose colored glasses with this. So it sure. might not be until sometime in December, but that's my plan is to have about 150 to 160 pages that would cover everything uh, that happened this summer and as much history of the Valley as I can cram into one place. Um, I think it would make a great, a great keepsake for the guys that are in the league. And then for fans, obviously just to remember um, all of the remarkable things that happened this summer. All right. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. And obviously when that comes out, um, we'll be looking for it on Twitter and Facebook and we'll help share that. Uh, That sounds like a really cool thing that you're doing. And, I think you're right. I think it's great for fans and and players and coaches alike to just look back and be able to see and remember, because we're not going to remember everything. Um, I'll be honest. If you ask me which team had the the big ninth inning comeback two, three years from now, I'm not going to remember. You know, right now, of course, I know it's the Stanton Braves against the Turks, but I'm not going to remember that in the future. So um, that would be a really cool way to remember that. Um, And I, I hate to say this on the podcast because I'm sure it's going to get a bunch of rancor, but I'm looking up Valley Baseball League champions uh, on the league website and Wikipedia when I'm looking at this stuff, too. So, you know, that will be in the annual, obviously, and I'll be able to remember that. No offense to Charlottesville. Uh, Please don't get mad. We are talking about Charlottesville winning the 2019 championship. Just please, in two years, don't ask me who won the 2019 championship. Right, right. I mean, Charlottesville had lots of great things happen this summer, too, like Francisco's 23-game hitting streak. Uh, you know, Joseph Sprake had an excellent season on the Hill. Yeah, Charlottesville did some excellent things this year as well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, you're a big basketball guy. I've gotten to talk to you quite a bit over the past few weeks, um, and one of the things I've picked up on is that you're a big, big basketball fan. So what I want to ask you now all-time basketball, your starting five. Okay. My all-time, so do, do they have to be the best players of all time, or they just have to be my favorites? Uh, however you want to set your lineup, John. This is your lineup. <laughs> oh, great. Hmm. Well, okay, we start with Dr. J, because he was my favorite growing up, of course. Okay. So we'll put him at the forward position. We'll throw uh, Charles Barkley at the other forward position. Nice. Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm just going to fill it with Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> Moses Malone at center. All right. Good Lord, could he knock it up and down the court? I don't know. He did not play with high energy, uh, that man, but uh, still... Uh, let's see. And then at guards, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with this. I'm painting myself straight into a corner here. We'll go with Mo Cheeks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you're going to do this as an old, you're an old bullets fan. I assume. No. Proceed. Mm-hmm. Give Give us your other guard and then I'll tell you where you went wrong. <laughs> with all of it, maybe. Um, Most of these I don't have a problem with, but we're starting to get to one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The other guard. See, I'm just going to go. I'm going to stick with old school. Andrew Tony was a guy I I, uh, was impressed with when I was really young and I started to watch basketball. 
So I went with all Sixers, I think, and all mostly old Sixers as well. So there you go. Have at it, Joe. All right, Brad, who did he leave out that he, I can't believe you would leave out in an all-time starting five? Right, like only the greatest basketball player ever? Yeah. Kobe? <laughs> no, not Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, for Dave, to Dave wants to put Kobe in. Um, Jordan. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm going with Sixers. He didn't play for the Sixers. Because he was better than the Sixers. <laughs> no, I know. I actually, when you asked me the question, I was standing here thinking, you know what, I probably need to do, like, uh, start with Jordan and LeBron, probably, right, as maybe two of the best players ever. But then I just went with the Sixers, and I started down the road with Dr. J, and that was it. That's what we ended up with. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Dr. J and Chuck. Moses is a stretch for me, and your two guards get out. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I went back. To, I, oh, true, man! I went back to 1983, and I just got stuck there. Yeah, so, that's true. You could sorry. have had AI. <laughs> it was back before you guys were born. Yeah, obviously, I'm going to want to put Jordan in there. Um, you went with Sixers. You're a Philly guy, so I, I guess I understand that a little bit. And it is your team, um, so we won't tear you down too much, at least while you're on the phone with us. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, because that's our mo. Uh, but I mean, seriously, Embiid. Embiid is probably better than Moses Malone, or he might have more potential. Yeah, but you could put Ben Simmons in there instead of Mo Cheeks. Uh, yeah, I know. I but know. Ben Why Simmons mad? can't shoot. Yeah, I keep waiting for him to take a couple threes, and I'm still waiting. That's his – he mm, – if you need him to make a jump shot, you're in trouble. That's the problem with Ben Simmons. But, yeah, I, I, interesting interesting lineup that you picked. Um, I, yeah, you know, Jordan uh, – you could say LeBron, uh, Kobe, Durant – for the modern people, but then you're probably looking bird magic. Another guy that doesn't make your team. <laughs> yeah. I think we could easily put together a team to defeat the one. I just, picked. okay. I don't think that's much of a stretch. <laughs> no, but Kobe, Kobe Bryant would not be on my team. No wow. <laughs> Take that Dave. Dave is a Lakers fan. Now you asked, am I an old bullets fan? Uh, when I was younger, that was in the, you know, the Jordan heyday. So I was a Jordan fan. I watched the Bulls. And then as okay. I got older, I became a local fan. Um, and now I just, you know, I want my teams to not be able to win. That's, it feels like that's a requirement for me to root for them. Ah, well, see, you, you, you might be a Philadelphia fan at heart. If that's the way you look at things. Uh, the Eagles won a Super Bowl this century. It's un, It's unattainable. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but John, before we let you go, one more just for fun question: Why is your favorite animated Disney movie a DreamWorks movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, boy, I I was for whatever reason I was not expecting not expecting that question. <laughs> we get that a lot. Way back, way back in the beginning, and I just did not handle it well. And you know, you know, you give me about another three hours, and I'm going to be laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, saying, "Why did I really say mo cheeks? Did I really say that?" <laughs> That's sometimes. Sometimes it's just a runaway train, man, and it gets away from you. I don't know. What can I say? 
Oh, we love it. And that's why we try to ask those questions. We want to catch people off guard, get their honest answers, first things that come to mind. You told us Shrek. Um, Shrek's not a bad movie. I enjoy Shrek. Obviously, it's not an anime Disney movie, but what we always tell people, we're not going to go after them right in that moment. Uh, we we do joke about it later on the podcast, but it's all in good fun, hopefully. And um, <laughs> But, John, uh, it's been a pleasure watching these games with you down the stretch. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, and uh, it's been nice. Uh, I know we, we actually had a, a dinner there before the one uh, in Stanton, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed it as well, and I look forward to seeing you around the area now that you're staying in the States more. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. Well, you're welcome. And it, it was a real pleasure for me as well. It's, it's always fun to uh, run into other, other folks that enjoy the Valley League almost as much as I do. Almost. Yeah, yeah, so here's, almost. here's to the off season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we let you go, we, I know Brad and I are probably going to talk about Chris Davis. I just want to clarify, he never played in the Valley Baseball League, correct? He, he did not. Okay, good. So, so yeah, have Adam. Good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to send you a message uh, <laughs> upset about that, like your Tommy Listella. Yeah. Your, your little, your little rant. I shouldn't yeah. have gone after Listella, but Chris Davis is fair game. Good to know. <laughs> sure. Anything else you need to know? Just drop me a line. All right. Thanks, John. Again, thanks to John for coming on and talking to us. Uh, Before we move on to the Orioles, like we kind of hinted at there with John at the end, I do want to play some of the interviews. And I, when I was running through them really quickly, I forgot we also did grab an interview with Jeff Burton, uh, who is one of the GMs of the Charlottesville Tom Sox. And he also got to watch his son play with the Charlottesville Tom Sox. And we talked to him about that as well. So here's that interview with Jeff Burton. All right, we have Jeff Burton with the Charlottesville Tom Sox with us again. Uh, Jeff, your team has just won their second championship in three years after being in the championship round for three straight years. It's not a bad run. Uh, You guys did it in a sweep this year. Just first off, your impressions with the 2019 version of the Charlottesville Tom Sox. That was a long season, and I think the other general managers would probably say the same thing. We went through 65 players to get through this summer, and... um, you know, that's not easy to coach that group, right? You've got a lot of players coming in and out. you got to learn them quickly. And I, I thought our coaching staff just did a fantastic job of putting pieces in place um, to give us a chance to win. And, and we had, fortunately, 18 guys here at the end of the season that wanted to win it. And that's what it takes sometimes. It's just to be the last man standing. Now, I also want to talk to you because this is uh, something we haven't had the opportunity to do. Uh, your son played for this Charlottesville Tom Sox team. Talk about what it's like being involved in an organization and also watching your son play for this team. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty interesting summer. He, he joined us at the very end of the season last year uh, when we needed some pitching help in the playoffs. He didn't play a lot. He shouldn't have played a lot, but he was here. So I got a little taste of it at that point. And I thought I and the board made a pretty good decision to have me recruit the team and then step away for the summer, frankly, because he he deserves the moment. Um, he didn't need me hovering around. He's a college kid, just like everybody else on this team. He had a great summer. He loved playing in front of his hometown teams. He had his hometown crowd. He had, he had a really good summer on the mound. And um, and I got to be a dad. Most, most games, you can find me up on the hill beyond the outfield fence a long way away, so I don't hear what he's saying, what he's doing with his teammates. Just kind of let him have his space. I was really proud of him. It's not easy to play in front of your hometown crowd. It's certainly not 
it's not easy to play in front of your your dad who's recruited all these players. So um, he's a great kid, though. I was really proud of him. And now we're going to get you out of here on a couple just for fun questions. Yeah. Um, but we want to ask, we've had you on here, we've asked you Disney. I think we've already asked you your favorite baseball player and baseball movie as well. You've done that one for me before. No? Okay, well then we'll have to hit you with that one now. Uh, favorite baseball player of all time, either current or from the past? So I was a huge Dale Murphy fan growing up. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, the, first, the early years of my life. And Dale Murphy, Bob Horner, Bruce Benedict, Brett Butler, those Claudel Washington, those guys all came through Richmond, and I got to see them at the AAA level and then watch them when TBS first hit the airways. You could only be a Braves or a Cubs fan at that point in time because those were the national games, and Murphy was the player. And to this day, I think he handled himself with as much class and grace as anybody who's ever played the game. So Dale Murphy would be my favorite. And favorite baseball movie? Yeah, so that's kind of interesting, too. I think I, I I love baseball movies, and I could probably name 15 of them that I have loved watching. I'm going to give you two, so this is a little bit of a cop-out, but they're very different. I love The Sandlot, and I love The Sandlot because most of my baseball time when I'm not recruiting players, I spend coaching kids, and most of them look a lot like the kids on The Sandlot. And frankly, I, I pine for the days where... Uh, we, we, we play a game that looks more Sandlot-ish than even what we're doing here. But I gotta say, I love Moneyball. It's a new one. Um, so much of what we've tried to do with this organization is, is understand analytics and how they might uh, be used in a summer wood bat league when not a lot of organizations have been able to do that. So um, I just think it told a great story that was first told in print. The book's even better than the movie, but I thought they did a great job with the movie. All so. right. Well, thanks, Jeff, and uh, thanks, congratulations. Jeff. Thanks for everything you've done. Yeah. All right. Really thanks. appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Okay, guys. So we heard the interview with Jeff Burton there. Um, he gave us a lot of great insight into what it's like to recruit a team and then have to watch your son play for that team, which was really cool. You uh, talked about the Tom Sox, you know, kind of just winning the war of attrition that was this Valley Baseball League season for a lot of teams. But the two answers we're going to break down, his favorite all-time player he gave us, he dated himself a little bit with this, but going Dale Murphy, uh, former Atlanta Brave, who he said he got to watch playing in Richmond, and that's why he became a big fan. He watched him play in Richmond in person and then watched him on TBS with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, very understandable with that answer. And his baseball movie, he gave us two. Uh, he said The Sandlot and Moneyball. Dave, thoughts on the movies? Yeah, those are both solid. I feel like the Sandlot uh, gets a lot of praise, especially these days, which is which is due. But I don't know, the Sandlot just doesn't have a high replay value to me for some reason. Yeah, uh, but I love Moneyball. Um, I like seeing that kind of side of baseball, uh, like with the ownership breakdown and everything that Billy Bean went through, and uh, Brad Pitt's a great actor. So I love Moneyball. Uh, that's a solid choice. That's probably right up there, uh, close to the top for my baseball movies. Brad, your thoughts on the Sandlot and Moneyball? Yeah, the Sandlot, a um, little bit cheesy at times, but you know that's what's a good baseball movie without a little bit of cheesiness in it, right? Right. Um, great movie. They played a lot on the MLB Network these days. Like Dave said, it gets a lot of yeah. a lot of attention right yeah. now. Um, I enjoy watching it. Uh, Moneyball great movie um i liked it a, a whole lot more than i thought i would like it when it came out um 
you know, I thought all the kind of hype was a little bit weird about a movie of that kind of nature. But then I saw it and I was like, dude, I get it. This is, this is awesome. Love the movie. Like Dave said, cool to see it from that aspect of things and kind of see the internal struggle in the organization itself. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with the sentiments being echoed here. Sandlot's good. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but like Dave, I've seen it. And I, if I never saw it again, I think I'd be okay. Um, it's not major league for me. It's not field of dreams. Um, so those are my two, uh, Moneyball is good too, though. Uh, and that's, that's a serious one. And that's from, like Dave said, the, the aspect of being a GM, seeing a team that is basically hamstrung financially, and then seeing what Billy Bean went up against trying to institute this new way to do baseball. Uh, you know, from the manager, Melvin, who was fighting him every step of the way. Uh, just interesting to see. And there's some great one-liners in that movie, too, um, with Moneyball. Mm-hmm. That w- are not podcast appropriate, but they are funny. Uh, next up, we'll play the quick interview we did with Coach Hunt. We'll break down those answers, and then we'll go to Thomas Francisco. Coach Hunt with us here on 40 Sports. And, Coach, you've won another Valley Baseball League championship here for the Charlottesville Tom Sox. It's the second in three years. The team's been here three years in a row. And if memory serves me correctly, you've been here for those three years. So talk about just your experience with the Valley League so far. No, I'm, I'm you know, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to be able to coach here. Um, but it's it's a testament to the players that we've had in this program the last three years to get us to this point. Uh, you ask any good coach, and he'll tell you it's all about the players. They, the players win games, and they absolutely have done that this season. Um, you know, I'm just I'm honored to be their coach, um, and I'm blessed with the people that we have in this organization that, that support what we do and get good young men here that are quality men, but they're, they're quality baseball players, and that's what we've been continuing to build here. And, um, you know, the, the players put everything together, so all of, all of the credit goes to them. I want to talk to you about this specific team. Uh, again, you guys were behind five runs in Strasburg. You guys found a way to come back and win that game. And then tonight you got the early lead, never looked back. Talk about some of the guys you're really going to miss coaching on this year's team. Uh, to be honest with you, all of them. Uh, they, they came in here uh, and built relationships with each other. They cared about each other. They, they, hang out, they were going to hang out with each other uh, on off days. I mean, it's one of those cultures that you hope to build as a coach. Once you've done that, you can teach them a little bit of baseball, and hopefully they take something back to school. But it's that culture of team that we try to create, and they absolutely uh, took that and and ran with it. Um, I couldn't have had a more close-knit group um, of great guys that came in ready to play baseball. It's a long summer. Uh, the The days wind on you. We try to work with them to make sure they get their work in, but we also know it's a catch-22 to keep them healthy, keep them safe. And so all of those things said, um, you know, they put everything together and and they deserve all the credit for everything that they did this summer. All right, Coach, we'll get you out of here on a couple just for fun questions. Uh, First one, who is your favorite baseball player of all time? Hands down, Omar Vizquel. I was born in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, which is about an hour west of Cleveland. Uh, My grandfather was always a Browns Indians fan. Um, And so we went to Jacobs Field all the time. And and he was by far my favorite player just with his consistency. So short story long, absolutely Omar Vizquel. And what is your favorite baseball movie? Uh, Obviously The Sandlot. Um, 
There's obviously a lot of other great movies that teach great life lessons, um, but The Sandlot sticks to me because you're always a kid when you're on the field, and you should play it uh, the right way, have fun, and do things the right way, and you can always, always find somewhere to play and some buddies to play with you. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us, Coach, and congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. Okay, guys. So we heard this time, uh, we heard him talk about the Valley League and his experience there, which is great. But again, we're going to break down these last two questions the most. Uh, favorite all-time player, Omar Vizquel. That starts to get into our our wheelhouse a little bit. We were alive when Omar Vizquel played. We, we've seen Omar Vizquel. Very good baseball player. Dave. Yeah, being solid all-around baseball player was still a good average guy. A uh, lot of gold gloves, uh, mostly playing for the Indians and kind of bouncing around. Um, so, yeah, just one of those solid everyday players that you can really get behind. What about you, Brad? Yeah, it's surprising to hear someone say Omar Vizquel, personally for me, but um, uh, I have no complaints about Omar Vizquel. I think he was a good player, and I think maybe even a little underrated as far as my thoughts go about him, probably. Yeah. Um, baseball movie goes with the Sandlot. Again, we've already talked about the Sandlot, so we won't break that down much more here. Uh, but he goes with Sandlot as well. Now we're going to go with our player interview, a guy who had a great season and a great championship series as well, Thomas Francisco. Keep this guy well, though. We have Thomas Francisco here with us on 40 Sports. And Francisco, you had a one heck of a year. You're hitting over 400 for the season. And you guys have just been crowned 2019 champions. Uh, just talk about the season. Oh, it's an awesome feeling, you know, to come out on top after, you know, summer ball's a grind and you're here to get better for, um, you know, for college. And um, I was just really, really happy with the way the summer went. I love Charlottesville. I love my host family. And I love the guys um, on our team. Some of them really close with now. And uh, it's great. Summer ball, I really enjoyed it. Uh, this summer. Well, you had a pretty good night tonight as well. Uh, just talk about this game. I, you guys came back in game one after being down 7-2. to two. Uh, you have a pretty big comeback in Strasburg win that game. And in this one, you guys got out early and never really looked back. Yeah, you know, Strasburg, they have a really good team. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, at their place, their field's really small. So no matter how, how many runs you're down, you're never out of the game. And uh, we battled. And, you know, today um, we took an early lead and, you know, we didn't stop. You know, like we all uh, we all really wanted to win it in front of, you know, our uh, home fans. And, uh um, you know, you win the first one, you want to win that second one, so you don't have to go to game three. But, um, yes, yeah, so it, it was awesome. All right, we'll get you out of here on a couple just-for-fun questions we ask everybody. Uh, first one is, what is your favorite animated Disney movie? Favorite animated Disney movie? The Lion King. Okay. All right, we like that. And uh, what is a song that you're afraid to admit to other people that you like? Um, I honestly have no clue. I can't no. think of. I mean, let me think here. Let me think of some songs. Some Justin Bieber. I, All right. Yeah. I don't mind okay. Justin Bieber. There we go. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Good luck. Okay, guys. So it was kind of interesting to hear. You talked, you heard Coach Hunt talk about it a little bit in his interview, and then Francisco touched on it as well. Those guys developed a friendship. Uh, a lot of players on the team developed friendships away from the field, which was pretty cool. Uh, but then 
And, you know, I guess it's probably not just on Charlottesville, but I think that's the first time we've talked to a player that they've really talked about that a lot is building it. And it's hard to do when, you know, these might be guys you know you won't see again after these two months are over or whatever. But to see them is pretty cool. Uh, You know, Brad, you've played on some teams that, you know, are high school teams. So it's a little bit different because the season's probably about the same length. But you see those guys around the school more often, you know. But talk about the team chemistry aspect and what, what you thought of him saying, you know, these on off days, these guys tried to hang out as much as they could. Yeah, I mean, we, I've been a part of some teams, you know, that are better together for uh, pretty much an entire half of a year. Um, I've been on some teams that are together for a few months. Um, and I've been on some teams that are together for one day. And, you know, it's it's just kind of interesting meeting these new people and just trying to bond with them as much as you can, getting to learn a little bit about them, make some connections. And then, you know, to just kind of get that bond through competition together and you kind of rely on each other and, you know, pick each other up and help each other out and help each other get better at the game. It's, it's a special kind of thing. And uh, to me, like, that's one thing that you can always take away from the sport is the connections that you've made with all the different people. All right. Well, moving to the big two, uh, favorite animated Disney movie, the lion King. We got another one, John, we brought him into the lion King family. So glad to hear that was his answer. Uh, Guys, just great answer from Thomas Francisco. Dave. Right, another solid uh, Lion King answer. I mean, you can't go wrong. I feel like when you... kind of seems like the uh, the generic answer we've been getting late, lately. Uh, we got a lot of Lion Kings. It's probably our number one response. So, let me ask you, Brad. I, I wouldn't count the new Lion King... I, if that's what they're saying is their favorite animated Disney movie, I know technically it is animated. It's just computer animated, but I would be mad if that's the one they're referring to. So I don't think that's the one that they're going to be referring to necessarily. I hope not. Right. Um, I don't know if they're thinking that that's, you know, a part of it, but I hope not. Um, if, but maybe it's, maybe that's a Disney movie they haven't thought about until yeah, now that the remake's now. being made, and they're like, "Oh that's yeah, the Lion what I King." Know is next year and two years from now, three years from now, are we going to be getting the same answer of Lion King as often, or is it going to die down after the hype of this new movie? Yeah, I mean, are we going to get more Mulans? Are we going to get you know what are we going to get? Well, in you're the probably future? not going to get great question. Mulan. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying you hate Mulan so much, no one's going to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that. And I also <laughs> I also don't know if I hate Mulan. I just have some real, real issues with there being an avalanche and nobody dying. I, well, I have you a like problem. More Pocahontas or Mulan? Probably Mulan. You like Mulan more? Probably Mulan. Okay, interesting. The last Mulan's going to be weird, though. Yeah, it's not going to be as cool. There's no music, no Mushu. I'm okay with no Mushu. No, no Dude, music might be an issue. I doesn't need a Mushu. I don't, who are they going to have be Mushu? Do you want them to bring oh, Eddie Murphy know. back? Uh, sure. No. No. Oh, let's not get into that. Um, music choice. Justin Bieber. 
Uh, so he didn't give us a song. He gave us an artist. But his artist is one that I would be scared to admit that I liked. Um, that being said, thank you for your honesty. Um, I know Brad has an opinion versus old Beebs versus new Beebs. Not saying that all new Beebs is good. Actually, a lot of it's pretty trash, but in my opinion. But you do like some new Beebs is what I'm hearing. There's a couple songs that are catchy. Dave knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about too, Jeff. There's definitely one that'll, that will get stuck in your head. Dave. We, we will do that to you. Dave, go to it. Uh, it's not a whole lot of these, but like usually it's with somebody else. Yeah. It gets stuck in my head. Which one? Oh, that, that's the, I'm the one, the one. He's, he's in that? Yeah, he's the main one singing the chorus. Yeah, oh awesome. my gosh. Isn't he in one with Selena Gomez that you guys love too? I don't think he ever did no. music with her. They just dated. Okay. Who cares? All right. Well, that is uh, that. So that will end the interviews. And again, congratulations to the Charlottesville Tom Sox. They did what they needed to all year to get it done, especially in the postseason where, you know, Brad and I have said on previous episodes last week, um, it's about getting hot at the right time. Charlottesville did that and they ended up winning the championship because of it. Uh, they had very good pitching and very good hitting there in game number one, especially when they needed it most on that big comeback. But now we're going to transition to something that happened in the Orioles dugout. A couple, it was a really bad weekend for the Orioles. Um, we got pounded by the Yankees. We also lost the Astros at one point, 23 to two on Saturday night. Um, but before the 23 to two pounding and one of the games against the Yankees, uh, there was an issue with Chris Davis. I believe it was Wednesday night, actually, uh, coming back from the championship. We, I get on Twitter and I see that Chris Davis and Brandon Hyde have had an altercation in the dugout. So there was that. Uh, I, I look at it and I'm going, okay, what are we talking about altercation? And then I see the video of it, and Chris Davis is trying to rush at Brandon Hyde. And Mark Trumbo, a hitting coach, and Jonathan VR, I think, are the three guys that get in his way. And he immediately gives up and sits down. It's been interesting to see the reaction on Twitter. Most of it is pro-Hyde, which I am also pro-Hyde. I am not pro-Davis here. Um, there, But there is some people saying Brandon Hyde can't you know, say something that's going to get his players that angry while he's in the dugout uh, and it has the potential to be caught on camera. It turns out what happened was Chris Davis threw his helmet because uh, he was mad that he struck out. I don't know for the one billionth time or whatever. And the helmet bounced and hit Brandon Hyde's foot. And again, this is alleged, but Hyde said something along the lines of you should focus more on hitting the ball and not your manager. And that caused, and he started to walk down the clubhouse, and that is apparently what made Chris Davis mad. Um, personally, I think it's hilarious. I wish he would have said more. I wish he would have said some meaner things to Chris Davis. Um, I can think of some that aren't podcast appropriate, so we won't talk about it. But um, yeah, I, I don't like Chris Davis, and I love Brandon Hyde saying something to him if it makes him mad, because that's the first time I've seen Chris Davis care all year. Brad. Um. That's what pushes him over the edge. Has she seen the other things that people have been saying about him? 
Wait, does he look at his Twitter account? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Also, dude, you should be used to striking out by now. That's the thing. Like, it, it's like, not new. Why is he even throwing his helmet? And I mean, I want, yes, I want a coach to blow up on a player for doing something stupid like that. He should be able to say stuff to him on camera because any coach should get on their player for throwing their equipment like that. That's it's not the batting helmet's fault. Yeah, Yeah, it's not the batting helmet's fault that Chris Davis keeps striking out. It's the thing inside the batting helmet. It's Chris Davis. And he had the worst batting average in the history of Major League Baseball among qualified hitters last year. In the his in the entire history of Major League Baseball, Chris Davis had the worst batting average ever. So am I gonna get mad at Chris Davis or Brandon Hyde? If Brandon Hyde said something along the lines of you should focus more on hitting the ball than hitting your manager or anything in the realm or anything of like, hey, do you plan on giving any of that $161 million back to the team? Or, hey, what exactly do we pay you for? Or anything like that. He also had two errors in the field in this game, by the way. So he's not even that good defensively. It brings me to my next point, And I'll go to Dave first and then go to Brad. But. I don't know why the Orioles even still have him. We are a dumpster fire this season anyway. We're in a full rebuild. What's the point of paying a guy to take up a roster spot that could go to a young guy and you could at least see what that kid has? And maybe that kid will actually try. Yeah, I don't know if those are like saying Chris Davis is ever going to find it again. Even if he did, like, what's the point? Um. At this point, it almost seems like he wants to get cut and he can just, you know, sit home, cash his checks. Yeah. Uh, Brad, what do you think about the Orioles even having Chris Davis on the roster? Um, I think it's a big joke. I mean, I would say that they do it for some sort of publicity, but what sort of publicity would that be other than bad publicity? I was going to say, so, what tickets is Chris Davis selling? Who's coming to the park to see Chris Davis? People who bought Chris Davis jerseys back in oh. what twenty thirteen? What a goof! I mm, don't like Chris Davis at all, and I guess I'll just leave it there. But we hope you enjoyed this episode of Four D Sports. That's probably going to do it for us here in terms of Valley Baseball League talk. I don't imagine us coming back to the VBL again this year. We'll probably do some more 4D Sports episodes as the MLB season winds on. It might not be every week, so just subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 4D underscore sports. Make sure you're liking us on Facebook, 4D Sports Podcast. If you're interested in our takes on Major League Baseball and actual Major League Baseball teams uh, when that comes around, uh, and we won't be talking about the Orioles for much longer unless, you know, who knows. The Orioles have garnered a lot more of my attention than I thought they would, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but sometimes they do stuff that's pretty cool. And maybe Brandon Hyde will undress another player uh, to the media. That would be great if he just totally just went off. And I guess, you know what, before we go, let me say that. I like Brandon Hyde telling me in post-game interviews, yeah, we don't have major league pitchers because I know we don't have major league pitchers. I appreciate that he's not going to insult my intelligence. Like, that was the thing with Buck. You know, be like, well, these guys are trying hard. Or you read, you know, some of the writers for the Orioles, well, these guys are trying hard. Be like, oh, well, okay. 
this isn't little league. This is major league baseball. I don't really care if he's trying hard. I, I want to see results. And I haven't seen results for three years from Chris Davis ever since he signed that big contract. So frankly, we're paying him either way. I'd rather just pay him not to play for us. I'd rather pay not to, I'd rather pay him. So I don't have to see him on national TV or regional TV or whatever TV. But again, that will do it for us on 40 sports. Make sure you follow us and subscribe. So you catch these episodes later on. We'll be talking about the MLB playoffs as they approach as well. Uh, I know Chris is a big Nats fan. We'll try to get him on to talk about his Nats and uh, they might actually make the playoffs this year, which is a bit disgusting, but never fear. They probably will get eliminated in the wild card until then. We thank you for listening to 40 sports. Hold up. I got one for you. here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I almost forgot. Brad's got his bad joke. Well, okay. I don't know why it's gotta be bad. This one's interactive, okay? So everyone, all the listeners should go along with this one. Okay. Put one index finger in the air. Okay. Okay. Move it around in a circle. Okay. And I want you to keep doing that throughout this joke, okay? Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Woo. (laughs) Woo hoo. (laughs) Woo hoo. That's it. Don't be so excited next time. Gosh. All right. Well, that is Brad's bad joke of the week. We hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And until next time, thanks for listening to 40 Sports.